see. Maybe I'll try it this way. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Satsang and Happy New Year. And I think this is, um, this is the first outdoor satsang we ever had. We've done uh, uh, yagnas outside, but never a satsang here or in Mount Rising. It's great because there is a precedent for outdoor satsangs, and that's in Ganeshpuri. And we do lots of outdoor satsangs there. So I feel like I'm in Ganeshpuri. And the setting is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. <clears throat> it's, but it's not Los Angeles, it's Melbourne. So this kind of night happens once a year, <laughs> if you're lucky. No, maybe a little more than that. We're going to take advantage of it, though. In, uh, during the summer months, we'll, we'll have satsang outside whenever we can. <clears throat> and it's also good to see all your faces for a change. It feels like 1999, because I can see everybody's faces. <laughs> I will say no more. <clears throat> I like to begin by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began every talk by saying in Hindi, With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And that was the essence of his message, to welcome other people with love, to welcome yourself with love, and to welcome others with love. So in that spirit, I want to welcome you. Especially if you're online. What's that? Especially if you're online. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was aware of it. <laughs> Thank you, though. This very cute Swami was reminding me. <laughs> so um, I was speaking to an old friend of mine from City Yoga, and I told him that uh, he has said, did David Mark go back, uh, come back from Ganeshpuri? And I said, and did that cute Swami go with him? So, so I haven't stopped torturing him about that since. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, we're gonna meet gonna meet you later in the program for various logistical reasons, but. I want to say hello to everyone watching online. Uh, in the United States, Swami Bhagavananda, Chandraleka and Bob, uh, Swami Atmananda, Susie and John, Sharvani and Maida. Welcome all of you. And Gaudi in Canada, uh, Govinda and Sonia in England, and Giorgio, who I just heard from, is going to accompany us to Ganeshpuri, and Klaus in Germany, <coughs> and Sahadev in Japan, and Jay in New Zealand. And then in Australia, in Queensland, Diana, Sunil, and Nitya. Hi, Nitya. Uh, New South Wales, Richard and Mukunda and Seb, uh, in South Australia, Kankana, Janavi, and Deepak. And here in Victoria, Prajna and Bernard, Frank, Salochana and Chandana, and Patricia, who's mending well, and uh, Anandi, and Mahesh. Welcome, everybody. 
So tonight, as, uh, <clears throat> as Julia said, Brahmani said, uh, is the night I give my message, first satsang of the year. And by the way, welcome to the retreat, those of you who are participating in the retreat. And if you're not, you can still sign up for any of the programs, and especially uh, the intensive on the Sunday next, a week from tomorrow. That's a special program. <clears throat> but welcome to the retreat. Always the uh, summer retreats, always the program of the year. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, so I always give my message for the year. I don't know if I can live up to uh, what uh, Brahmani said, <laughs> but we'll do it. But I also do another thing. I have another um, uh, what do you call it tradition that I do on this day, which is I reprise some of the the best bits from the various sages of the year. So I go through the, my notes from, uh, from satsangs, and I pick out a few. And this year, there was such a wealth of them that I liked, but I just picked a few, and I might salt the other ones in over the next couple of weeks. Um, <clears throat> but these are some of the best hits of 2022. <laughs> this one is from Baba. Question. Is there anything one can do to receive Guru's grace? Good question, no? Baba says, all that's required is love and faith in the Guru, nothing else. Even a little love will draw the Guru's Shakti to you. So the purpose of it is to connect with that higher power, this energy, the Kundalini energy, the Shakti, the energy of the self. And by open-heartedness, by love, it's automatically drawn to you. Baba says, the greater the flow of love, the more the Shakti leaps and plays inside you. You can try that for yourself. See whether there's more Shakti when you're full of hatred and, and negativity or when you're full of love and joy. And I think you'll see that there's much greater energy in the latter case. <clears throat> you become like your obsession. One who entertains thoughts of anger sinks into the pit of anger. One who's constantly obsessed by maya, illusion, falls into the trap of illusion. Likewise, Sunda, the poet saint, says, one who thinks of the guru continually becomes like the guru. You draw the shakti, the power of one whom you love, into yourself. So that was one. This one is from P.D. Uspensky, who is, uh, I do several Gurdjieff programs. During the Gurdjieff's one of my favorite Western teachers, and his uh, major disciples, Ospensky, uh, and this is part of his uh, teaching from his book called The Fourth Way. Question, I find that much of my time is passed in a negative state, and I don't seem to be able to do anything about it. And Ospensky says, when you find different manifestations of this negative state, you can struggle with it, because this struggle is in the mind. So that's the first point, is that uh, we don't have to consider ourselves at the mercy of these various moods uh, and emotions that overtake us. We can do something about it. That's why yoga, meditation, is so empowering. We can do something about our state. It doesn't just happen to us. It's because of something we allow it to happen, and we can overcome it. He says, <clears throat> you can refuse some points of view and accept other points of view, 
and very soon you'll see the difference. Gurdjieff has a word for that. He says, think from the work rather than think from life, he says, but think from the mundane point of view. And always think of the teaching, the teaching of the scriptures, the teaching of the sages, which says the self is the true reality. And keep that in mind and always frame everything in those terms, in relation to the divine, in relation to God, in relation to the self, in relation to your inner growth. And if you frame your whole life in those terms, it will be uplifting. If you only frame it in mundane terms, uh, it's bad luck, not good. <clears throat> he goes on, this is connected with a very big question because from one point of view, we are so mechanical that we can do nothing. But from another point of view, there are several things which we can begin to do. <clears throat> we have certain possibilities in us, only we do not use them. It is true that we cannot do anything in the sense that we cannot change what we feel at any given moment. We love to change sometimes. We fall into a depression, fall into a panic, into worry, into fear, uh, overwhelming anger or resentment. We'd love to change it and we use different mundane yogas like scotch, <laughs> bourbon, etc. <clears throat> but we can make ourselves think about a subject at a given moment. This is the beginning. So I often say in the Learn to Meditate course that the, that the inner, inner world is, has two kinds of things in it, thinking and feeling, thoughts and emotions. And while emotions you can't directly deal with, thought you can. You can change thought. You can transform your thought. And it turns out thought and feeling are very strongly related. If you have negative thoughts, you get bad feeling. If you have positive thoughts, that's accompanied by good feeling. So change your thinking, and then you change the feeling. So you have to work on your thinking, he's saying. We must know what is possible and begin from that because then the possibility to do something instead of letting things happen will gradually increase. So it's a matter of conquering our inner world. That's what we, we do. That's why we're here to do yoga, to meditate. We strengthen our inner world so it moves in positive directions leading to happiness. The goal of, of inner work is joy and happiness and harmony and oneness. And we, everybody seeks those things, but we usually seek them through externals. But the yogis, the gurus, the great sages say that by working inside, we can actually achieve those things. He goes on, we do not realize what enormous power lies in thinking. The power lies in the fact that if we always think rightly about things, we can make it permanent. It grows into a permanent attitude. It was a great revelation to me that my thoughts were controlling me and that my thoughts were, uh, could be controlled by me and that my thoughts were making me miserable. My own thinking, my own mind was making me miserable by thinking negative thoughts all the time. And this was just habit that somehow I'd picked up, bad habit. And I think that's true of many of us. We have bad habits of mind that don't serve us. And so it's very good to change those habits. And one way is through repetition of mantra, another way is through self-inquiry, Shiva process, and through meditation. So all these methods. He goes on, you may find some inclination 
to wrong emotional manifestations of some kind. Just at that moment, you can do nothing. You've educated yourself in the capacity for this kind of reaction by wrong thinking, wrong habit of having tantrums and, uh, and feeling bad about ourselves. <clears throat> but if you start from right thinking, then after some time you will educate yourself in the capacity for a different reaction. This method has to be understood, and this understanding may be quite deep, by creating right attitudes to consolidate the fact that you have really and seriously decided not to give way to negative manifestations. That is, give way to unhappiness, misery. We do not realize how much we lose in that way. We lose exactly what we want to get. <clears throat> and I like to say, it's pretty dramatic, but I think it's true, is that our happiness is our own, our unhappiness is our own creation. That's hard to believe. We look to say, oh, it's these circumstances, these people did this to me, and so on. But we have the power of happiness within us. Everyone has it perfectly intact. It's not that some people have it more and others less. Everyone has it in full capacity if we make use of it. <clears throat> so this is thinking from the work. Say to yourself, what would Shaivism say about this? What would Baba say? That's mine. I always say, what would Baba say about this? You can even say, what would Swamiji say about it? If you want. What would the Shiva process say about it? And these are ways of, uh, of uplifting yourself. <clears throat> okay, here's a charming one. <clears throat> Even though I, I think I, I shared this recently, I can't help but do it again. Uh, this is from Suri Nagama, who is uh, one of my heroines. Uh, she's a, a woman who was a great devotee of uh, Ramana Maharshi the great sage of uh, South India. And uh, she was, uh, she, she came to him at a young age. She was uneducated, but incredibly intelligent. And she used to make notes about everything he said and then eventually, and wrote letters to her brother about what happened there. And eventually they were collected into a great book. Uh, so this is one of the stories to her brother. <clears throat> he wrote, she writes, you've seen Jagadishwar Shastri, haven't you? When he was here, his dog used to come to the hall with him, into the hall to see uh, Ramana Maharshi. <clears throat> it was a particularly intelligent dog. When Shastri and his wife came into Bhagavan's hall, it used to come in and sit like a well-behaved child and go out along with them. It was a house dog. People did whatever they could to prevent it entering the hall, but it was no use. So in India, this is very rare that the dog behaves like that and they treat it so well and so on. So <clears throat> Once the old couple entrusted it to somebody when they went to Madras and did not return for two weeks. At first, during the first four or five days, it used to search and go around the hall and then go about all the places where they used to frequent. It was looking for them, huh? <clears throat> Having got tired, perhaps disgusted with these fruitless efforts, one morning, at about 10 o'clock, it came to Bhagawan's sofa, Ramana's sofa where he sat, and stood there staring fixedly at Bhagawan. <laughs> he was looking at him. We see in, in our program Shakti, the ashram Chow Chow comes and stares at Devi Ma, telling her, I want to leave the program. <laughs> and Devi Ma 
always obeys. <coughs> so, so, just staring at uh, Bhagwan. At that time, I was sitting in the front row. This is Surinagama. Bhagwan was reading the paper. We had a charming photograph of uh, Ramana reading the newspaper that we showed on, on this. <coughs> Krishna Swami, the attendant, and others tried to send the dog out by threats, but in vain. You just sit there staring at Ramana while he's reading this newspaper. <coughs> I too asked it to go out. No, it wouldn't move. Bhagwan's attention was diverted by this hubbub, and he looked that way. Bhagwan observed for a while the look of the dog and our excitement. <coughs> he then put the paper aside, and as if he had by his silence understood the language of the dog, he waved his hand towards it and said, why, what's the matter? You're asking where your people have gone. Oh, I see, I understand. They've gone to Madras. They'll be back in a week. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Be calm. Are you all right now? Now go. This is Ramana talking to the dog. <coughs> Hardly had Bhagwan com completed his instructions when the dog turned and left the place. Soon after that, Ramana remarked to me, did you see that? The dog was asking me where its people have gone and when they're returning. However much the people here tried to send it away, it wouldn't move until I answered its questions. <coughs> then she writes, once it seems the lady of the house punished the dog with a cane for something it had done and locked it up in a room for half a day. After it was let out, it came straight to Ramana as if to complain against her and stayed at the ashram without going to the house for four or five days. <laughs> Ramana arranged to feed it, to feed the dog and astonish and admonish the lady thus. Admonish the lady thus. <clears throat> what have you done to the dog? Why is it angry at you? It came and complained to me. Why? What have you done? <laughs> Finally, she admitted her fault. <clears throat> and with a good deal of cajoling, they got the dog to go home. <laughs> Charming? <clears throat> okay, one more. This one is from Baba also. This is related to the message, I think. Question, how do I overcome feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy that come during meditation? I think that basically, well, there are several kinds of patterns that happen. A certain type of person has feelings of self-hatred and unworthiness and comparing themselves to others and feeling deficient and no good. That's one type. Another person just gets filled with desire and wants, 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 and not another, and sometimes anger comes with that and so on. And another type of person, just their head is filled with worry. Worry, worry, worry. Worry about money, worry about health, worry about relationships, worry about job, worry about what other people think, and so on. So these are the negative minds that we have. Everybody has one or the other or many. <coughs> if you're really lucky, you have them all. Um, <coughs> His Baba's answer is extremely practical and, and really arrested me when I first heard it. I realized it was his first. Baba says, don't attach any importance to those feelings. 
You are not your feelings. You are the place where the feelings arise. <clears throat> Just as the upper, in the upper spaces, clouds appear and vanish, in the space of the heart, endless feelings and thoughts rise and set. <clears throat> Why should you attach any special importance to them? Ignore the clouds and look for the sun in their midst. I love that line. <clears throat> I think I, I, I remember now, as Ken Kesey said, focus on the donut, not the hole. <laughs> but you wouldn't understand. Well, you have donuts with holes, don't you? Focus on the donut. Focus on the sun. Focus on that which is great. Why should you attach any special importance to them? Ignore the clouds and look for the sun in their midst. There are so many things around me here, and there's no need to remove them all in order to meet me. In the same way, look for the light among the clouds. You don't even have to get rid of the negative thoughts. Don't pay attention. Look for the light. The yogis say that within everyone there's a great light, a great happiness, a great joy, a great peace that exists within everyone. Search for it. Forget about all the crap. The crap is there, but don't keep looking at it, analyzing it, and, uh, and thinking about it. But look for that light. Find that light, that inner light. If you look for it earnestly, I guarantee that you'll find it because it exists within everyone. It's the light of consciousness, the light of love. He says, as you concentrate on the light, your mind will become peaceful. While meditating, you, shouldn't, you should let go of your faults. Suppose I feel angry this evening and then sit for meditation the next morning. There should be no trace of that anger left in me. I can honor myself and meditation will come. You sit down, you honor yourself. You say, oh, I'm so great. I have such a great light inside me. <laughs> During sleep, one sleeps and does nothing else. While meditating, just meditate. Don't be self-conscious about your weaknesses. Attachment and hatred may still be there, but many good qualities are also present. The point is not to honor yourself for your faults, but for your good qualities. Don't let your price fall in the market by keeping alive the memory of your faults, attachments, and hatreds. Depending on your temperament, attachments and negative feeling may persist quite, for quite some time. Quite some time. Nonetheless, you should keep on cultivating good qualities. Hatred and attachment don't last, so why should your thoughts about them last? In one's life, some painful events have taken place. The mark of a wise person is that he doesn't preserve the pain in his thoughts, but forgets about it very soon. It's a, a very refreshing approach, because we tend to go over and over and over and rehearse our misery and suffering, and all we do is create more misery. So, okay, now I'm going to give you my message <laughs> for 2023. You ready? This is the part of the talk in which I give it first a little quiz. What was my message for 2022? Oh, damn it. I, I expected no one to remember it. <laughs> you, got me, you got me wrong. <laughs> Cherish your awakening. Uh, it's worth taking a moment to think about that again. Cherish is a beautiful word to cherish, to love, to value. 
to deeply appreciate, to give importance to. What we cherish is what our life is about. Think about it. Your life is essentially about what you cherish. Your family, your children, your ideals, your job. You should also cherish yourself. Cherish the, that sun that shines within. He says, we, should <coughs> we shouldn't put our spirituality. He says, I say. <laughs> I just used to quote him. I said, he says. <laughs> we shouldn't put our spirituality in our back pocket. It should be front and center. Uh, that we've received Shaktipat and uh, are evolving profoundly is a great thing. That we're interested even in receiving Shaktipat and in inner growth. That's a great and rare thing in this day and age. So cherish that. <clears throat> the mo it's the most important thing in our life, actually. Anyway, this year, I was strongly tempted by something I heard from Buckingham Palace. <laughs> well, there's a lot of trouble these days. <clears throat> Somebody asked, where are you really from? And that caused an international uproar. <clears throat> but then I thought that spiritually considered, that's actually a very interesting question. Where are you really from? <clears throat> Reminds me of a Zen koan. What is your original face? That's one of the Zen koans. What is the face, what was your face before you were born? Where are you really from? In the highest sense, it's quite profound. But I thought it's best not to be so provocative. But I couldn't resist talking about it a little bit. <clears throat> so here's my message for 2023. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted. <laughs> it's curate your inner world. Oh. By God, this came from the Shakti. Where you really come, where you really from came from the Shakti too, but in a different way. Curate your inner world. I've become dimly aware that people were using the word curate in new and wonderful ways. Lilavati, where's Lilavati? There, who's curator number seven, <coughs> tells me that recently uh, she was a curator at the National Gallery for many years. Um, telling that it's become a buzzword. If you Google the words "curate your," you get come, you get this: curate your wardrobe, <laughs> curate your Instagram, <laughs> curate your TikTok feed. Curate your ear piercings. <laughs> Curate your personal style. Curate your travel plans. <clears throat> anyway, the, the obvious next step is to apply the concept to the inner world. To curate is from the Latin curare, which means to take care of. To take care of. The analogy I like to use for meditation is from gardening. To curate your garden, you get rid of weeds and you plant what you want. <clears throat> and you encourage the growth of good things and discourage the growth of bad things. The same is true in the mind. In, the, in my Learn to Meditate course, I always make this analogy between the mind and the garden, fertile garden in which things grow. 
And if you don't cultivate and you don't pick and curate, then bad things will grow and they'll grow wild. And so you have to do that and you have to do that in your mind also. We should encourage the growth of good thoughts and feelings, thoughts full of love and divinity and discourage dark thoughts and feelings full of negativity and hatred, fear and depression. Doesn't that make sense? Seriously. Even if you're a rank unbeliever, doesn't that <laughs> fucking make sense? <laughs> God's sakes. <clears throat> Cultivate noble thoughts. Get rid of tearing thoughts. The thoughts that you, where you attack yourself. That's, they're the worst kinds of thoughts. Some of us are addicted to them. <clears throat> this is curating the clear space of good feeling. The clear space of good feeling, that's what you want it to be like in your inner world. So curate your inner world. Nobody's going to do it for you. Isabel's not going to come and uh, uh, put good thoughts in your brain and take bad thoughts out. You know, we're, going to, we're going to change the ex exhibition. You've been having tearing thoughts too long. We're going to ta put in um, cubism. <laughs> when you contemplate curating your inner world, it puts you firmly in the seat of responsibility. That's what I mean. Nobody's going to do this for you. In an art gallery, the curator decides what hangs on the wall and what doesn't. Um, she decides what's good and rejects what's bad. Or what she thinks is good and what she thinks is bad, right? <laughs> she puts everything in the right place and in harmonious relationship. But we have curatorial power over our inner world, but we don't know it, and we don't exercise. I just said in the Gurdjieff bit that stuff just seems to happen, but we can take that power. It's very, very important that we do that. To do yoga and to do sadhana, spiritual practice, is to become responsible for what hangs in your inner wall. <clears throat> it should be full of divinity and love. It really is our choice. In yoga, curating goes beyond good taste or good aesthetic sense. As I learned when I got to Baba, he offended all my aesthetic sense with the paintings he had on his wall. And yet, in the highest sense, what he was curating there was full of divinity. So that blew my mind. So there's a higher uh, thing than, than just good taste. But there is an objective criterion uh, for inner curating, and that is called the shakti. You're a successful inner curator if you're full of shakti, full of inner energy. If you're not, some negative elements have slipped under your curatorial eye. Whatever, you're always responsible for whatever feeling you're having, and your yoga hasn't been up to the task, and so you should look at that. A successful inner curator always asks, does this attitude, does this thought, does this feeling have shakti? Does it have energy? Does it uplift me or contract me? Does it please the shakti, the self, or the guru? So, my message is to curate. And curate brilliantly and be filled with love and shakti in 2023.
<laughs> I'm not used to that. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't this lovely being out here? No masks. No, no, no masks. Yeah. It's a lovely thing. That's why I can recognize you people. I'm not used to it. Your faces are so beautiful. Okay. Um, what do I do now? Meditate. We meditate, right? <laughs> okay, we'll meditate for a while. <clears throat> and we'll meditate for 10 minutes. And the goal of meditation is what I've been talking about. That place inside the clear space of good feeling, the joy that exists within every person. And this is not a fiction, and it's not something I read in a book. This is something real. And it really behooves us all to try to connect to that space and to attain that space. And it's a very adult, a very mature thing to do that and to work on that inner world and become your own inner curator and to work towards overcoming certain habits of mind tendencies that actually work against you, deplete you of energy and make you contracted and miserable and anxious and angry and frustrated and self-hating and so on. <clears throat> so the first steps in that is meditation, to quiet the mind, to find the clear space of good feeling. When you find that clear space, that place of peace, you discover all kinds of wonderful gifts inside, energy, love, joy, harmony, everything like that. So let's meditate now for 10 minutes. Um, the goal of meditation is the inner self, this place of peace within. One good way to do it is by repeating the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya. That's curation itself. It's selecting the thought Om Namah Shivaya, which means I honor the self, and letting other negative thoughts disappear. So that's a, a choice that's very productive. And so let yourself meditate, let other thoughts disappear. As Baba said, don't pay much attention to the negative thoughts. Look for the sun at the source that exists within every one of us. And once again, with great respect and love, I wish you all a very wonderful 2023 much better than 2022 and 2021 and 2020. We've had some tough years, and I think I feel that there are good things in store. Many good things will happen, and this is the year for it. So let's meditate now on the self for 10 minutes. And Satguna Maharaj Ki Jai. <laughs>